We got ourselves a commissioner takeover, and on this week's episode, it's all about making fantasy rugby in the MLR even better. The Fantasy Rucker Show starts right now. Where rugby and the world of fantasy sports collide. Welcome to the Fantasy Rucker Show. Bringing fantasy rugby to the masses. Talking all things rugby from the MLR to leagues around the world. We're on top of it. Headphones on, pads off. This is the Fantasy Record Show. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Yee, Matt Yee, and Devin Vanderpool. What's up, everybody? This is episode number 28 of the Fantasy Rucker Show. Thank you so much to our Fantasy Ruckers League members, our community members, and everyone else tagging along on this fantasy rugby journey of trying to make it a reality in the MLR. With you, as always, I am Ryan Yee, and you're going you're gonna to be uh, missing a couple faces here if you're looking and watching on the YouTube channel. We're missing Matt, and we're missing Devin, but that's okay. Like I said at the top of the show, it is a commissioner takeover on this week's episode. We're going to go through all the nitty gritty of the fantasy rugby operations in this past year and try to figure out how we can fine tune some things up here and make it even better in uh, seasons to come and hopefully many seasons to come as, like I said, we try to make fantasy rugby a reality in the MLR. I'm sure Matt Yee and Devin Vandy Vanderpool will be back next week to join us to continue our off-season deep dive. Last week we had a our first fantasy rugby deep dive where we really delved into the uh, the stats, at least the very preliminary stats of last season. We talked about fantasy lineup structures and kind of the best positions to play in that flex spot to give you an advantage. So if you missed that, you can check that out on last Last week's episode, Matt and myself were able to uh, really, really get into the numbers there. So that was a really interesting conversation that we were we were able to have. And that deep dive into all those numbers and all those fantasy rug- rugby numbers are going to continue throughout this offseason. Man. The fantasy rugby content doesn't stop. It might be the MLR offseason, but we're going to try to keep it coming for you guys. And uh, just like all fantasy sports, the preparation can't start early enough for the next season. So uh, it might be still 2022. We might be uh, just under a year away from the opening of the 2023 MLR season. But hey, uh, like we spoke with a bunch of our league members throughout this season, you can never take enough fantasy rugby notes. Uh, you can never have enough stickies uh, with all those little uh, fantasy rugby tips that you remember throughout the year. Uh, we know just John John in the Fantasy Record League. He's a big fan of those stickies. And uh, I know Vandy and Matt may try to uh, try to adapt and and uh, and take that strategy moving forward, because I don't think there was much note taking for them last season with the way that they finished in 2022. But I can't harp on them too much because uh, they're not here to defend themselves. So uh, we'll, we'll wait till next uh, week's episode to really make sure we get back on them. But uh, it'll just be one week away and you guys won't miss them too much, hopefully. But yeah, on this week's episode, we're going to talk about just making fantasy rugby better. That has been my goal since the beginning. Since we started this project, it was all about trying to really make fantasy fantasy rugby a thing that people could have fun with just another element to digest the sport especially with the way that the game is growing here in North America I think a fantasy element can only add to that and I think after our first season in uh, in the 2022 MLR season our inaugural season where we handed out our our, uh, jersey here to uh, John John who won our very first uh, inaugural season of the fantasy Rutgers league so clearly there was something done right that we were able to get through the season but there's always a little bit of fine-tuning that you can do in order to make it even better. I think we have a long road ahead of us in terms of making fantasy rugby a real thing that people 
not just in our Fantasy Rutgers League that we're able to enjoy, but hopefully expand this out to many, many more people in the near future. And that's going to start with fine-tuning some of these roles and roles and rules in terms of making it something that it is uh, the most fun possible with the resources we have. And, and you'll understand what I mean by uh, the resources that we have um, in, in just a few moments here. But uh, we're going to open up the show like we always do. Um, if you aren't following us yet, make sure you are on all the social media channels at the Fantasy Rutgers. We're also on YouTube. You can find us there as well, where we post a video portion of this podcast on the YouTube channel there. And hey, if you want to get in on the uh, the fantasy rugby conversation, you can always leave a comment uh, on our on our YouTube page or on our on our socials as well. Get that fantasy rugby conversation spurring. And there, we also have a Discord channel though as well, and it's been uh, very very active uh, in terms of the people that want to discuss rugby, discuss fantasy rugby. So if you uh, aren't having enough of that conversation as part of your uh, your daily routine here, uh, make sure you go out and join the fantasy Rutgers Discord page. The link is down below in the description um, and you'll be able to find all that good stuff so with that out of the way we've got to open up the show like we always do with our ask the fantasy rucker show question and and we can uh we we always peruse through the social media channels in terms of uh who is uh tagging us there with the hashtag ask tfr show hashtag and then from there we get to uh get to pull out some of these questions but this week we had a very uh a very specific question and because this is a commissioner takeover show we thought it'd be a a interesting question to open up with what was the best part about being the commissioner or being the commissioner of a fantasy league more specifically what was it like being the fantasy commissioner of this very very first season of uh this fantasy Rutgers league the very first uh, way that fantasy rugby in this way has been implemented into some sort of rugby league in this case uh the the mlr um and let me just go by saying by answering the question i love being a commissioner of leagues i'm not only the commissioner of of a league I'm sure you've heard in previous episodes before, especially with Vandy, who him and I are involved in other fantasy sports, including fantasy football, where we have a long running fantasy football league that I am. Yes, of course, commissioner of. And uh, that just goes to my point about me, how much I love being the commissioner. Really, for me, it's the the payoff of the enjoyment that uh, league members get out of little things, not not the big things, because um, maybe not so much in fantasy rugby, but when it comes to fantasy football and, and other fantasy sports that are already established, The framework is already there for you on all the apps and everything. So being a commissioner, you can really get away with doing the bare minimum. But I love doing the little bit extra, you know, adding, uh, you know, prizes, adding, you know, a a, a trophy to uh, to obviously add a little bit more bragging rights to the season. Something that uh, we've added in our other fantasy leagues and obviously something that we've added here with our fantasy Rutgers League uh, jersey. If you see on uh, the YouTube uh, channel, if you're watching on the YouTube video, the, the Barbarians jersey that has John John's names etched as the inaugural season championship winner. Things like that, right? It makes the the league more fun. It gets league members involved. You know, in in our league here in the Fantasy Rutgers League, you know, we do those weekly posts. We have this podcast that league members can listen to. This is the type of stuff that I love doing because it makes league members buy that much more into the league. And and for for league members, at least in the Fantasy Rutgers League, who are already passionate about rugby and now, I hope, passionate somewhat about fantasy rugby, despite some of the uh, the heartache that it may cause on a week-to-week basis when we are in season... Um, it, it just makes it that much more fun if, to have passionate fans buy into this thing even more. So that that's from the overarching fantasy uh, commissioner perspective. But specifically for the Fantasy Rutgers League, I think what was so enjoyable about this season was we didn't have that framework, right? We didn't have that app that we could 
you know, rely on to provide us with, you know, the structure and and, and doing that scoring for us. Because on many uh, apps, uh, fantasy apps particularly, the framework is there. Like I said, all the scoring is done automated for you. The pickups are done automated. Everything is done. And obviously with the resources that we've had uh, for Fantasy Rugby and implementing this thing and this past year just being kind of a, a test thing and, and a league that we we're just going to see how fantasy rugby would operate in the MLR. And, and mind you, it was pretty successful, I must say. It was cool to not have that framework, despite all the hard work and the long hours that it did take to literally manually hand stat all these games and, and, and translate them into fantasy points and, and do all those things and then post them for the league members. It took a lot. It took a lot of time and a lot of resources, at least manpower resources, to really get this going. But what was so fun about it, what was so fun about the journey and the process on a week-to-week basis of going through those stats and, and, and jotting down those numbers and really hashing it all out is, aside from really being able to die deep dive into Major League Rugby, which I don't think prior to the season I had done any I hadn't been as depth or been in as much depth into the league and been as invested into the league like I had this past season because of all the stats and stuff that I needed to do with this fantasy Rutgers league. But what it allowed me and what it gave me the insight into was kind of the way that our league members were kind of thinking their mindsets going into the season. And what was so intriguing and interesting was the fact that and we mentioned this on episodes before is that. This league, Fantasy Rugby or Fantasy MLR, there there was no strategy going into this uh, into this season. There was no there was no framework. There was no blueprint for how people were going to be successful at this whole thing. The way that someone is successful at fantasy football, fantasy hockey, fantasy baseball, fantasy basketball, what have you. That strategy is not going to work in fantasy rugby, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of people, especially the people in our league, figure that out pretty quickly. And maybe the strategies that they came into this season going with weren't the strategy strategies that they were finishing off with. And I think as commissioner, seeing the pickups behind the scenes, seeing the way that points were scored, seeing the lineups on a weekly basis, you could kind of see that dynamic change amongst each league member. So to, to me, that was very intriguing on top of, like I said, all the other little bits that we added of, of uh, into our league to make it a little bit more fun, like the Jersey, like the weekly post, like this podcast, um, get a hop on with Matt and Vandy every single week and talk a little bit about rugby. Can't complain about that. Um, um, but just seeing that extra passion and people investing into that and also kind of the mindset and, and the growth of fantasy rugby in just a year's time and not only the growth of fantasy rugby itself, which we'll get into in just a moment's time here, but also just the growth of our league members and how that is going to affect them moving forward. We mentioned it last episode. How are the strategies going to change? How are the numbers from the 2022 season going to alter the mindset of the way people and league members and, and fantasy rugby managers of people in the fantasy Rutgers league. And hopefully when we expand this thing to many more league members, how are people going to be looking at it differently, especially now that we have a season under our books? So I think that dynamic change over the entirety of the season and even during the fantasy Rutgers playoff challenge as well, I'm um, seeing people that hadn't been in uh, in our fantasy Rutgers league to have that year experience or that season experience to uh, really get into fantasy rugby. Uh, they were implementing, uh, you know, strategies <laughs> that uh, that they thought would work and whether it did or not uh, remain to be seen when the, those 
those results been uh, results were released. But clearly, some people are are on to the correct strategy. I mean, we talk about uh, John John. I think I give him way too many shout outs on this episode already. But that guy kind of deserves it because he won not only our fantasy Rutgers league, but he also took home the fantasy Rutgers playoff challenge. So obviously, his strategy clearly seems to be working. And um, I mean, hey, Matt was able to jump up all the way to second in the fantasy Rutgers playoff challenge. So clearly, his strategy, the strategy that he used to finish second last um, or at the bottom of the heap in our fantasy Rutgers play, uh, fantasy Rutgers league, clearly altered when he implemented something different into the uh, fantasy Rutgers playoff challenge. So yeah, I think that was the the, the best part about being commissioner, getting to talk to. Um, all our league members on a regular basis get to do this podcast, talk a little bit about rugby, but fantasy rugby specifically with Matt and Devin. And obviously you guys, it's been a lot of fun so far. So hopefully we can uh, keep this thing going. And like I said, and our mantra here, I'm sure you've heard it a million times here on the Fantasy Rucker Show. We're just trying to make it a reality in the MLR. And I think we're a step closer, at least after that 2022 season to getting there. So hopefully we can get even a step closer after this offseason. And once we get into uh, into our second Fantasy Rutgers League season in 2023 so um yeah really fun uh, fun question there um if you have a question that you want to ask us learn a little bit more about fantasy rugby in the ml or fantasy rugby in general um hit us up on social media use the hashtag hashtag ask tfr show we always keep an eye out for the p- people that are uh, are trying to uh, reach us out through there and if you got a pressing question that you'd like us to uh, to answer uh, do indeed go on social media and submit that because we will definitely see it and we'll hope to feature that on episodes to come so now with that uh, being said like I said uh, let's move on here to a little bit of news and notes a couple things a few things have uh, have dropped since the last time that we've had an episode over the past week obviously we mentioned it last episode. We mentioned it on episodes before. A lot of roster movement happening now uh, during this MLR offseason. And, and a lot of that, I should say, is uh, overseas guys kind of going back home to play for home clubs. And my expectation would be that those players would then return once the MLR season starts to kick back up, back to their home squads. Uh, there are a few players I'm going to mention here that I do believe fall under that sort, of, um, that sort of category. And then, hey, we also got guys that are moving on to bigger and better clubs bigger and better leagues that uh, that's exactly what you want to see you want to see major league rugby being a place where players can go to to develop their skills um and really uh really develop their uh, their their professional rugby um uh, resumes and then move on to bigger and better leagues because especially if they're homegrown guys guys from the u.s guys from canada that are moving on to top leagues around the world super rugby top 14 premiership etc that's exactly what you want to see because that development moving to those more established leagues obviously uh, we don't need to beat around the bush obviously those leagues are a higher talent than the MLR but that's not the point the point is is that we're using the MLR as a stepping stone to develop that homegrown talent so hopefully we won't have situations where the US Eagles are losing to Chile and now have to play in a repechage to book their ticket to uh, to the uh, the 2023 World Cup so hopefully this kind of movement, the roster moves, moving on to bigger and better leagues is going to be a thing that we can continue to see because I think it's a good sign that the MLR is developing players that are worthy of even better sides and leagues uh, in the rugby world across the globe. So let me just mention some of those names. The names that I just want to rattle off quickly here, AJ Alatimu, uh, he's going over to uh, County's uh, Manukau. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, uh, the Samoan is going to go back to uh, to New Zealand and, and uh, play uh, a little bit of rugby over 
over there. I expect this is one of those moves where he's going to get a little bit of offseason rugby um, and coming back uh, once the Seawolves start to pick their uh, their their season back up. Uh, I would expect AJ Alatimo to be a vital role of that Seawolves uh, sea roster in 2023. Um, and also a big indicator for all of you who are maybe not as in tune to how rugby roster moves operate. Firstly, this is a typical thing. A lot of players do, even in Super Rugby, even in, in more higher leagues, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of players do in their off season go back to their home clubs, their 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 um, you know just uh, other other uh, clubs during the off season to kind of keep that rugby that rugby training level up, um, earn a little bit more money. Something that Matt mentioned last week, um, and it's something that isn't out of the norm. Uh, it's maybe something out of the norm that we don't typically see in North American sports, but it is definitely something that we do see in rugby quite frequently. And then to my point being is that I think a good indicator on whether or not some of these players are actually going to be moving on from their respective teams is, hey, look out on these MLR uh, uh, team social pages, because usually once we have a player that we know is going to be moving on and, you know, will be moving on to a different league and will not be returning, we usually see that sort of, you know, goodbye post from these uh, from these teams. So haven't seen one for AJ Alatimu. Uh, Thomas Aoki of San Diego Legion, he's going to Auckland Rugby um, to play during the offseason. Again, haven't seen a post about it. Um, he's a he's a homegrown New Zealander, so I assume that this can only mean that he's going back to play uh, a little bit of rugby back in his home country during the offseason. And then Isaac Salomon, he's going to the Tasman Rugby Union, the Tasman Makos. Um, he played for the Toronto Arrows this past season. He's going back to New Zealand, um, again, his home country, to get a little bit of offseason reps in. Again, haven't seen a post about him leaving, so I expect in 2023 that he would be back in a Toronto Arrows jersey. The one player, though, this past week that did make a roster move that will not be returning to the MLR, though, is Cam Dodson from the Austin Gilgronies. He will be making a return to his home nation, England, to suit up for the Wasps. He will be uh, joining... um, the Wasps in the Premiership, um, his uh, his teammate on the Gilgronis, uh, Sebastian De Chavez, he spent some time with the Wasps. So, hey, maybe a little bit of connection there, hooked him up with a job overseas. Not too sure there. But nonetheless, uh, the 25-year-old Locke uh, departs after playing two seasons with the Gilgronis. He's going to suit up with the Wasps. Um, he said on social media, it was an absolute pleasure to call Austin home for the past two years. He's excited for the challenge ahead. Um, thanking everyone in Texas for his great experience. Um, and yeah. So he'll be moving on again, like we see a goodbye post moving on Cam, Cam Dodson. Um, not so much of a guy that necessarily was a huge uh, fantasy contributor this season. Um, 297th uh, overall out of a total of, um, I believe, uh, 527 players. So not that much of a fantasy contributor, only racked up about four and a half fantasy points through the entirety of the season. Um, wasn't drafted at all. Don't think I saw him on fantasy rosters that frequently um, during this year, obviously, with that only four and a half uh, fantasy points racked up. But hey, Cam Dodson moving on. And like I mentioned before, good to see players who, um, you know, develop in the MLR move on to higher and better leagues because that is an indicator that the talent level of the MLR is only catching up to some of these bigger leagues. Not saying that it ever will catch up to these bigger leagues overseas, but at least if we can, you know, tighten that gap a little bit, it will not only um, 
you know, like I've, I've been hammering home, develop homegrown talent here. In Cam Dodson's case, obviously, he's not from the U.S. or Canada. He's from England. But there is the potential for someone from Canada or from the U.S. to really develop and move on like we've seen before in a, in a lot of other, other other players. We've seen Bodine Waka move on to Japan. Um, yeah, lot, lot, lots of opportunities here for homegrown talent to move on. Um, and yeah, like I said, big indicator. Um, and, and that's all we can ask for. And as the talent level moves up in this league, we get more players kind of tightening that gap. Like I mentioned, it's only going to be even more better for us. The product on TV is only going to get better. The excitement of watching these games is only going to get a lot more fun. So good to see a lot of these players moving on to to bigger and better teams. And I'm sure we're going to get many more of that going on. But through a fantasy rugby lens, at least, we mentioned it last week. Just be wary, right? Obviously, it's still very, very early. But it's going to be interesting to see kind of the news and notes that we get as we approach closer to the, 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 the draft for the 2023 MLR season. Obviously, that's not going to happen until next year. But just keep an eye on where these players are moving. Because, hey, if a guy like Bodin Waka who I would have assumed would have been the number one pick in the 2023 fantasy MLR draft. He's not going to be around anymore, at least that as we know of right now. He's going overseas to Japan. That's going to have a big effect. So you're going to want to keep an eye out for some of these notable players moving on to better leagues because you don't want to be taught caught in a position where you were depending on a guy at least from a strategy perspective that you were hoping to draft and he ends up not even being in the MLR so I think that's an element that a lot of fantasy managers uh, for fantasy MLR are going to have to keep an eye on something that isn't familiar or isn't something that usually happens in other fantasy sports, um, especially in the the major sports across North America. Um, Last news and note or a couple I should say uh, news and notes that I also want to mention here we missed some pretty big head coach hirings, um, or I should say a head coach and a front office hiring this past week. Uh, the Utah Warriors, and I, I hate that Vandy isn't on the show right now to kind of uh, pump this guy up. Not that he knew anything about this incoming head coach, but you can only imagine that Vandy uh, would be all aboard on whoever was coming in. And, and you know that guy, he's going to, to pump his Utah Warriors up because you can expect that he uh, is expecting a championship uh, in 2023 for his Utah Warriors team um, after, I would say, somewhat of a disappointing season in 2022 for the Utah Warriors. But yeah, Greg Cooper is now hired as the head coach for the Utah Warriors. He becomes the fourth head coach in Warriors franchise history. Um, He joins the Utah Warriors from the Mitsubishi Mitsubishi Dino Dino Boars. What an awesome name, the Mitsubishi Dinobores. I wish uh, we had some creative naming in the MLR just like that. Um, but yeah, they're from the Japanese league. Um, he played in the, uh, or he coached in Japan Rugby League One. Um, it was the first time doing that, uh, uh, or at least he helped uh, the Dinobores elevate themselves to Japan Rugby League One the very uh, the very first time in their 12-year history. He also helped Stade Francais uh, uh, to a European Challenge Cup championship, their first ever in their history. Uh, he was also uh, an assistant coach that was promoted um, uh, to head coach for that team in 2017. Uh, he served as the head coach to the New Zealand U21 team. So obviously, the resume for Greg Cooper is there. And I think out of all of that, the thing that I'm most excited about for Greg Cooper is his ability, it seems like, to turn teams that have potential but haven't done it on paper yet and to make it a reality, to, to bring some hardware home for the first time in these franchises' history. And I think that's something huge to be said because, hey, Utah Warriors 
in a very similar situation. They have yet to win a championship in the MLR. And I think a lot of people would agree with me. A lot of people that are watching the MLRs, particularly the Utah Warriors, they have a very, very competitive side. And I don't think the way that they performed last season is indicative of the level that they can achieve on the, on the, on the rugby pitch. But maybe Greg Cooper is that guy that can elevate them to that spot. He was able to do them do that with the Mitsubishi Dynabors, elevating them to Japan Rugby League One. He was able to do that with uh, Stade Francais for the European Rugby Challenge Cup. Um, uh, the question only remains is, can he do it with the Utah Warriors? And I think all the signs are pointing that, yes, he can. Obviously, is going to take some time. But hey, Greg Cooper is working with some pretty talented players on the Utah Warriors. Mike Teo, to name one of them. Um, just just got a bunch of guys on there that I think if they're used the right way, they can really turn things around. We saw it happen with the Houston Sabercats in the 2021 season, going from a literally winless season to, mind you, some help with some complications that happened off the pitch. But... Hey, the Houston Sabercats ended up winning the Western Conference. So obviously quick turnarounds are possible in the MLR. And we can only hope uh, and we can only assume that Greg Cooper will do his best to do that with the Utah Warriors. I'll probably assume that you'd get some stronger language and uh, stronger hopes and stronger optimism from Vandy. Um, but we'll have to wait till next week to hear that from him. Another um, front office move or at least staff move, I should say, uh, the Dallas Jackals. And I think this one's even more interesting than the Utah Warriors. Warriors hired the, uh, the Dallas Jackals have named Santiago Sodini as their general manager. Uh, a lot of them, a lot of people who know him call him Santi. We'll call him Santi here on the show as well. So Santi is the new general manager for the Dallas Jackals. Um, he is a uh, an Argentinian native. He has a long history in rugby. He was a player, a coach, uh, administrator, obviously now front office playing around the world, including Australia, Italy, and England. Um, his first MLR experience came with uh, with the Rugby Atlanta in 2021, where he was the director of operations for rugby. Um, so he has that, I guess, that competitive pe- pedigree. He was a part of that team that made that run uh, in 2021, uh, losing that Rugby Atlanta side, losing to the LA Giltinis. But I think out of the whole thing that is interesting about this signing is his roots and his his affiliation and his connection with his home country of Argentina. Obviously, we know that Argentina has become a powerhouse in rugby. A lot of that has been thanks to their addition uh, to uh, to the, the rugby championship competing on a yearly basis with New Zealand, uh, South Africa, um, uh, and Australia. I think that has obviously gone a long way in terms of developing rugby within Argentina. But hey, the Dallas Jackals, we've mentioned it on the on the show before. The Houston Sabercats are the Houston Sabrebox. They're clearly South Africa's team. New York, we know it. They're, they're the old boys, New Zealand. The Giltinis, they have a whole bunch of Australia players on there. And now Dallas, hey, maybe uh, they can add uh, add some names um, add to that roster. Um, we talk about Conrado Rura. Um, maybe we can add some, uh, some other Argentinians uh, to to the team there through the connection that Santi has with his home country. Hey, that's what I'm all for. And that's what's I think interesting about rugby in North America that makes it so different and starkly different from all the other major sports in uh, in North America is that 
Yes, we have this draft process in the MLR that kind of is the limiting similarity between these North American sports and the MLR. But we also have this aspect of growing your own talent and and. Um, you know, we see a bunch of these teams, you know, creating these youth programs. They have their youth sides that are competing and and really trying to find talent from within their own areas and locations to make contributions to their MLR team. And hey, who knows where you'll find, you know, the next Bodine Walker, you'll find the next star of your rugby club. And I think that's something very different than the other North American sports because there's a lot more of a heavy reliance on the draft in hockey, in football, in baseball, in uh, uh, in in uh, in basketball and things like that, where we don't see that as heavy as a reliance. Obviously, some of that is due <laughs> to some of the lackadaisical MLR draft rules. We saw it with some of the Gilgroni signings this past season, where some players waited for uh, that uh, that uh, that eligibility to pass, where they can instead uh, uh, announce to uh, to be part of the draft. They could just sign freely with the team. Um, but, anyways. There are ways that teams can obviously grow their own talent and bring in uh, talent outside of the draft. And we're, we're mentioning and talking about some of this homegrown talent. But hey, who says you can't have a, a, a pipeline from a, a location outside of North America? And if, hey, if the Dallas Jackals can uh, create this pipeline through Santee um, where they're bringing in Argentinian talent. Hey, it's going to make the MLR a whole lot better. I know there's a lot of people out there that love to see just North American players really dominate here in the MLR. But to be honest, especially from a fantasy rugby perspective, I just want to see the product on the field get better and better. And if that means bringing players in overseas, hey, no one's complaining the fact that Nehe Milner Scudder came over. No one's complaining about the fact that Wysocki and Ahal is coming over. I only saw huge hype and huge excitement around those guys coming. Hey, if we can bring uh, in a couple uh, uh, bigger Argentinian names, add a little bit of South American culture to this league, a little bit more South American flair, I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And like I said, it's only going to elevate the competition level uh, that is is in the MLR. So so I love to see that. And, and I think that's a huge signing for the Dallas Jackals, who obviously had a tough season. They'll look to do what the Houston Sabercats were able to do in 2021. But I think it all starts from the top here. Obviously, what the Dallas Jackals were, were dealing with the season before, a lot of, you know, things that they couldn't uh, they couldn't control, things that they could control. But uh, at the end of the day, I do think that this signing is a, a point in the right direction. So we'll see what Santiago Sodini will be able to do as general manager for the Dallas Jackals. And then uh, last thing here, guys, and this is only speculation. I do mention, want to mention it every single show because I want to remind our listeners and viewers that we are keeping an eye on this because I do not want this to go away because we do need to hold the people that are making these decisions accountable, especially, especially when we want the MLR to grow the way we want it to grow and become an established professional league within North America and just be a league that is recognizable and reputable in the rugby world across the globe. And, 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 and I'm talking about uh, the whole conundrum that is happening with the, uh, the LA Giltinis and the Austin Gilgronis, the lawsuit that was happening with Adam Gilchrist. We mentioned last week uh, the, that lawsuit, I believe, has since been dropped. Obviously, there's going to be settlements to be made outside 
uh, outside of uh, of the courtroom between the MLR and Adam Gilchrist and his ownership group. Um, but the only reason why I'm bringing this up is that there really hasn't been any new developments. But uh, here at the Fantasy Ruckers, we are perusers of the Reddit community. And we did see a post on there. And I'm not sure how reliable it is. But I'm only going to use this kind of as a discussion point. And that is someone has said that uh, there, there is inklings that uh, that new ownership group that is coming in to buy the the Gilgronies. We heard about those inklings uh, midway through that 2020, uh, that, that 2022 season, last season, that uh, the Gilgronies were up for sale, even to a point where ownership was, or a potential new ownership group was meeting with players and outlining their plan and, and what it, what is to be expected ahead. There has been rumors that the new ownership group does not want to stay in Austin. And I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, we do have three teams in uh, in in the Lone Star State already. We have Austin Gilgronies, we have um, the Houston Sabercats, and now of course we do have the Dallas Jackals. Um, so I don't think at least the state of Texas is going to be missing anything. But the city of Austin though, I can't imagine that there's any there's many other places that are better than Austin to host an MLR team. I mean, we're talking about a city that is rapidly growing. Um, it seemed to have a lot of fans come out to their 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 matches. I mean, out of all of the the games that I was watching uh, on TV or on the rugby network, I had to say that Austin was always, at least on a weekly basis, one of the teams that seemed, I don't know from an exact number standpoint, but seemed to have a lot of fans there and and significant a significant amount of fans and i don't know if it was because it was a smaller venue and maybe seemed like it was more packed but it did feel like austin did have a a a big big following at least from the the local community so i'm not too sure what the kind of process and the thinking behind this is but it is something that did pass by our our newswire and it was just something that we wanted to mention again nothing that is concrete nothing that is has been verified or nothing that has been sourced but we just want to continue making sure that we're keeping everyone up to date with this situation of uh, of the gilgronies of the guiltinis because i have a feeling something is going to happen and and we want to make sure that we're there when it does because it's obviously going to uh going to um have a ripple effect throughout the the MLR and from a, a fantasy rugby perspective as well. So something that we'll keep an eye on. And then last thing here, and, and just quickly, uh, we want to mention that the, the the MLR draft is coming up. And actually, uh, from uh, from today on Wednesday, uh, there is actually, I believe, five days left for uh, players to declare for that MLR draft. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of the names that do pop up here uh, for the draft. And that draft is going to be broadcasted on fox sports 2 on august 18th at 6 30 eastern time um so we'll be uh making sure like we mentioned trying to do something with that but hey uh the the declaration deadline is coming uh just coming up for for some of the players who are aspiring to join the mlr so we're going to keep an eye on a uh on some players some key young players maybe some future stars that uh, will be part of the mlr in uh in in less than a month's time who will be finding their team so that's the news and notes portion of the show uh took a little bit longer there uh but uh i do think that there were some important things to go over there especially with those head coach hirings that i feel uh will definitely have an impact in uh in the many seasons to come especially from a fantasy perspective all right so now it's time to move on to the thing that a lot of you have been waiting for and that is 
the plan here. The commissioner's plan to make fantasy rugby even better moving forward. And like I mentioned, that's always my goal. It's always to improve this thing. This is a project that we took on that we didn't know where it was going to go. We could not even imagine that it was going to be as good as it was in this past inaugural season. It only gives us more motivation to make this thing even more, even better and even more fun to play. So with that, haven't heard this one in a while because we've been in off season, but we're going to break it all down in Commissioner Yee's League Update. Hear ye, hear ye, this is Commissioner Yee with the league update. And with this league update, man, I, I missed that uh, that drop. I uh, haven't heard it since the se- season. I'm sure you guys missed it too. But hey, we're breaking down how we can make uh, Fantasy MLR even better moving forward. And I broke it down into three sections here. We're going to be talking here about scoring format, lineup structure, and then we're going to just talk about some other, you know, outline things that uh, have come to mind that I think, you know, is something to to address or something to just bring up. And as I go through this, I want especially our league members and especially guys who are aspiring to join a fantasy MLR, MLR league, hopefully in the future, uh, as we try to figure out a way that we can expand this thing to more people, to more leagues. If you have any thoughts or any ideas that you think after hearing uh, this podcast or hearing and following our Fantasy Rutgers League, if you think there's anything that we can add that you feel would enhance the product, enhance Fantasy MLR, we are all the years. Because I think, like we mentioned all the episodes, I think we're all in this together in terms of trying to make this thing a reality in the MLR uh, for anyone who is as passionate about fantasy sports as I am. I'm always looking for ways to kind of make it more dynamic and make it more interesting for uh, for league members uh, because at, at the end of the day, it's only going to make it more fun for you to play. Uh, we're all ears, so make sure to reach out to us at the Fantasy Ruckers or, or send us a direct message. Chat with us in the Discord channel. Um, any ideas that you have, we would love to hear it. And, and then another thing I want to mention is that as we start to go through this thing, I want all of our listeners and viewers to remember that a large portion of the way that this fantasy league or fantasy rugby, at least to this point, has been structured, has been limited by the resources that we have access to. I think we all know um, it's a big talking point in the MLR community is the access of stats. Um, we're a season away. We've we've had discussions with uh, with with the MLR All Access crew. They've told us that you know stats uh, are, are coming in the near future. The MLR uh, website has made somewhat of a you know, improvement in terms of the stats that are available, but at least when it comes from stats that can be usable in a fantasy rugby perspective, we're not quite there yet. So a lot of these things that we are missing that would make this more fun is due to that reason, but we're going to do our best to find ways that we can still implement things like that until we are able to, to get those stats. And I will say, um, hopefully soon we'll be able to get those. We're going to do everything in our power to make something happen in terms of uh, in terms of adding uh, more enhanced MLR stats uh, to to uh, fantasy rugby and just to everyone as a whole. Because I think you know anyone who loves any league loves to kind of deep dive into uh, if, if you're as crazy as me and, and love <laughs> love uh, love rugby as much as I do. I know there's a lot of people who 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 love it even more. Um, 
love to go through the stats and, ju- and just see how, how, how players are doing from a more analytical standpoint. So we hope to, to, to get that soon, and, and that will only make the Fantasy Rugby product better. So let's start here, guys, with uh, the, 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 the scoring format. And I think the biggest word and the biggest takeaway from this for me as a commissioner is volatility. That, that's the word that I'm taking away because I think that the way, like I mentioned, the stats that we had available to us, plus the way that things were scored, it really lended itself to boom or bust weeks. And, and what I mean by that is that obviously, especially our league members know, is that a big portion of our fantasy Rutgers league was try scoring. You know, try scoring was a big aspect of that. And essentially, if you had the team that scored the most tries, you were going to win your fantasy matchup that week. Not that that was a bad thing, not that that was a good thing, but that was just something that fantasy managers need to tailor their strategy towards. Um, and I'm not too sure if that was necessarily something that was as, P, uh, as top of mind at the start of the season, but it was definitely something, like I mentioned at the top of the show, in terms of the development and the change of mindset from league managers, that was definitely something that had a larger emphasis towards the end of the season. So my goal going forward with this is hopefully to remove some of that volatility. And the way that's going to happen is by adding more parameters in terms of ways we score certain things. And and what I mean by that is adding more, you know, things that we can track that can add to fantasy points. So like I said, and we've mentioned during the show, it would be a dream of mine to be able to add tackling. I mean, friend of the show, Mike Smith would be a monster in fantasy MLR. If we had a tackle, uh, a tackle stat that could be tally and translated into fantasy points, because I think that's something that can add. And, and I should mention the large, the large, you know, understanding or the large consensus about fantasy sports, not even just fantasy MLR is more points are better. When fantasy sports have more points, and I'm not talking about points that are scored on the field, but have more points in a matchup basis, fantasy managers are going to have more fun because they're they're following more things. Oh, I got a point there. Oh, I got a point there. That's what we want to do here. So we can add more things to our scoring system like tackles, um, you know, like, you know, line breaks could be something else. Um, I'm just thinking on the top of my head here, uh, tackles, line breaks, you know, line out wins, scrum steals, things like that. Things that can that can just add and, and add to um, those points. Telling it's going to dilute the strength um, and, and the, the boom factor, uh, for lack of better terms, that try scoring has because. You know, it's not so heavy relying on picking up a front rower that is involved in all the set piece tries because, you know, you're really banking on scoring those five points. You know, you're also picking up guys, you know, that are big tackle machines. You're picking guys in the uh, maybe not so much, um, you know just second row guys that have a, a chance of scoring a try, but you're picking up guys that, you know, are, are you know, able to, to, to tackle a lot or, or are involved in other aspects of the game. Those are the types of things that we, that we want to add. So I think that is the general, I know, where we are at now type deal, where we have a lot of volatility in the scoring, not that it makes it any less fun, but... You know, it, it does. I can understand the frustration from a week to week basis for fantasy managers um, to kind of predict those types of things. And, and we also want to shift um, with that volatility. Obviously, a lot of 
A lot of fantasy in general is about luck. But I think in fantasy MLR that we've established here as of right now, there's a lot more luck involved in the in the outcomes of our matchups than are in other fantasy sports. So we want to try to reduce that number, try to bring that down. I think part of that is diluting the try scoring, um, the try scoring um, uh, uh, impact that uh, that it's having on a week to week basis, and hopefully add other little elements. And I know that's something that we've been mentioning all year long. We've been mentioning it since the beginning that we started this thing. Um, but hopefully, because we've seen MLR kind of advance the stats a little bit more, hopefully through conversations that that we have, we can get access to more MLR stats and hopefully implement that maybe in the upcoming season because that would be a dream of mine. And obviously, that would absolutely shake up the strategies going uh, involved in terms of picking guys because you're now considering other strengths like tackling um like uh like more you know set piece involvement things like that um it's going to shift the the landscape incredibly but it is going to at the end of the day add a little bit more of a dynamic feel to um to fantasy mlr instead of this kind of linear um try scoring and and kicking point scoring um uh, uh magnitude in terms of the impact that those two things have and and speaking speaking of kicking which was i would say outside of the try scoring was probably the second most uh uh um if not the most on a, on a, on on a, on a, on some weeks the contributions that those had to the the matchup point totals and obviously a big part of that especially if guys had multiple kickers was predicting which kicker was going to go off because that obviously wasn't something that was a, a shoe in for league ma- managers but i do think that the kicking that we implemented this past season was very very well done um i love the fact that heading into the season we decided collectively as a league that uh we originally had it scored just as it was scored in rugby itself, three points for a penalty, two points for a conversion. But after some thinking, we realized, hey, three points is more than half worth of a try. I'm not too sure if we should be giving that to kickers. We diminished it by half, ended up going one and a half points um, to uh, to penalties, half uh, uh, one point to uh, to conversions, and it ended up being really really good. Kickers were still very very strong in our league, but I can only imagine how much more um, OP or overpowered uh, kickers would have been in uh, the fantasy Rutgers league if we had left it at those three points and two points. Um, moving forward with the kicking thing, something that has been brought up in conversation is the idea that maybe we can implement kicker accuracy because right now what we did was we just did points total. We just did a, a rack them up type uh, type deal where if you got one in, you got points. Do we add an element of the accuracy of these kickers to make it more interesting? Do we consider, you know, hey, you missed a kick, you missed a conversion kick, you know, that's that's minus X points. So it has this kind of uh, the tug, and, uh, tug and pull, push and pull type dynamic where it isn't just kind of collectively adding uh, points on the kicks you get. You're going to get penalized for, for missing kicks as well. Maybe you think that is too, uh, too strict. Maybe you think that's too strong of a penalty. Maybe we start considering the distances at which these kickers kick. Eh? Maybe a, 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 a base you know, conversion is considered as one point. But for every, you know, meter that is kicked outside of the post, you add a certain element. Maybe if it's, you know, 
10 meters outside of, of, of the post, it's an additional half point. Things like that, just to add a little bit more dynamic, like I mentioned, or I should mention that a thing like that, where measuring those meters is going to get a little bit tricky if we, uh, if we are, are working off of the, 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 the stats that we're working off right now. But nonetheless, it would be very interesting to see if we can add kind of that push and pull element to kickers where it isn't just make one or don't make one. It's either make one, you get rewarded, don't make one, you get penalized, or maybe it's make one. And depending on where that kick was made, you're going to get additional or less points. Maybe if it's, you know, just a meter outside the post, you know, we we dilute it and say, hey, that's only going to be worth half a point because it was such an easy kick to make. And maybe a point, uh, maybe a kick right across the sideline is one and a half points for a conversion, you know, something like that. So I'd love to get your thoughts. I'd love to get league members thoughts. I'd love to get uh, love to get um, listeners thoughts because, hey, like I said, there may be an opportunity for you to to join a league in the near future. And uh, we want to get everyone who's interested in fantasy rugby, get their input into this because we want to get as many people involved um, because usually that's how the best decisions are made. A, co- a consensus. We're a democracy here at the Fantasy Records Show. So we'd love to hear what the, uh, the people have to say. So that's about all that I had for the scoring format of it. Um, basically kind of in, in, in summation, talking about kind of making uh, scoring a little bit less volatile, finding ways to do that. So if any of you have any ideas on ways to do that with this current um, stats that we do have, obviously we mentioned tackling and, and other things like that are things that we could add, but as one person here to stat all that, it's a little bit unrealistic until we do get those stats from the MLR. So maybe if there's something in the meantime that you think of that doesn't require um, as heavy uh, uh, time resources in terms to stat out, I'd love to hear it. And then we mentioned kind of adding that dynamic uh, 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 play to the kicker role. That that could be something as well. So any other ideas with scoring? Love to hear it. Make sure you give us a message at the Fantasy Ruckers. Moving on to the lineup structure now. Not much to say about this because I was was actually pretty happy with how the lineup structure turned out for uh, for our fantasy Rutgers league. For those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, the way that we uh, started out uh, the lineup structure or the way that we came up with it, it was going to be one front row position, which can include either prop or hooker, a second row position, back row position, which should be either a flanker or an eight man, a scrum half, a fly half, a center, which could be either obviously the inside or outside center, a back three player, which could range from any of the fullback to the winger, and then a back flex and a back forward where any fla- or any forward player or any back player can go into those respective positions. I loved the idea and we got into more depth into it last week's episode, so you can uh, check out it if you want to learn more about the back flex and forward flex positions. I love that aspect. That was probably the most dynamic aspect of our lineup structure. I love seeing how kind of people People made those decisions if they were going to put a front row there, a back row there, or if they were going to put a back three player there, or a, or a fly half, or a scrum half, or a center. Um, just, just really, really interesting. Again, we went over the, that decision making process in terms of the flex last episode, so go check that out. Um, but just as a lineup structure as a whole, I really, really did like kind of the balance that we had. I thought that every single position made contributions every single position had their advantages had their disadvantages um you really saw throughout the season kind of how team members kind of built that structure around that um we mentioned last week about kind of these positional advantages matt talked about the advantage of having a really good front row 
talk about you know having um uh, that really really good fly half that you could be dependent on that you knew was going to kick that you knew was going to be involved in the offense that was going to be distributing playmaking um racking up those assists having those try scoring opportunities um things like that so i really did like how the lineup was structured um i thought that having um i guess it would be one two three four five six seven eight nine uh, 10 positions essentially on a weekly basis and then five bench positions. I thought that was perfect, especially what this lineup structure is based on is is the depth of the MLR. As the MLR grows, we can grow. As there's more dominant players, we can have uh, uh, add more players to the list. Um, what we don't want in this league is to force league managers and force fantasy MLR managers to put in players that they really don't want to be putting in, right? We're talking about players that, you know, they'll get an 80 minute here, they'll get an 80 minute there, you know, you're just kind of, you know, making, uh, hoping for the best when you throw a guy in. We don't want that. We want guys and league managers to have confidence in their lineups Obviously, that's going to change from a week-to-week basis, especially with the buys and things like that. But for a large portion of the part, we don't want managers to be unhappy with the guys that they're putting in, at least from a fantasy contribution standpoint. It's one thing if they don't perform you know, on a certain week, it's another thing that on a week in and week out basis, they're just not translating anything into fantasy. So uh, we don't want to have to force players to lay managers to reach for that depth. So I think what we had here was perfect for that. What kind of goes coincides with that is the depth of our league. We only had eight teams in our uh, fantasy inaugural fantasy Rutgers league. Again, a large portion of that is there's only 13 teams in the MLR. So, um, you know, if you if you expanded that to 12 teams right in the fantasy Rutgers league, every team is going to have to pick a scrum half because there's only one on every single weekly basis. And you can't say that every scrum half we learned from last season, definitely every scrum half, uh, the the discrepancy between the top scrum half in the league. Um, you're talking about the Harrison Goddards. You're talking about the the J.P. Smiths um, to to the bottom kind of um, uh, the, the scrum halves in the league who aren't as um, making as big contributions or, hey, maybe they're just, you know, subbing in for half uh, or what have you. We don't want to have that. We don't want have to a guy to pick uh, the bottom of the scraps of, of the scrum half position. So I think an eight team league was kind of perfect for this again if the mlr grows we'll adapt with it and i'd love to have more teams in in these leagues um because it only makes it more fun you're gonna have different matchups you're gonna meet more people um so i would love to have that but i think with the current standing of way the the amount of teams that the mlr has i think eight is that kind of sweet spot with that um i'd love to hear everyone else's opinion with these lineup structures um this was one thing that i really thought was nailed on the head for us heading into the season and i think it was a big portion of the success. If the lineup structure kind of faulted, uh, I think we ha- would have been in a in a pretty pretty big issue there, and we may not have lasted the entirety of the season. But I think because we started off on a strong foot with that. I think it really set us up for success. So, hey, if any of you listening have any other different ideas about lineup structure, maybe, you know, you'd like to see the front row position split into prop and hooker. Um, again, though, that limits us. There's only going to be 13 hookers on a, on a weekly basis. So having eight teams in a league, there's going to be some scraps that are involved. So um, I'd love to hear whether or not you guys would side with that, um, expanding some of these positions out deepening the benches, adding teams, lessening teams. Um, I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And then the final thing before we kind of wrap up this show here uh, is just some kind of overlying thoughts that I had uh, throughout the entirety of the season. 
I think this is where I got to give a shout out like I've been giving all season long to our uh, league members in the inaugural fantasy Rutgers league. I think with the manual labor that was involved, not even from my end, but just from the league as a whole, uh, this league would not have been as successful as it was, like I mentioned, with the lineup structure, but also with the people that were involved and as invested as they were. So um, I think that fits nicely here and the other thoughts uh, in terms of how the league operated. Uh, but just other little things. I thought the season was well played out. I thought the schedule was good. I thought it was crucial that we had our championship week before the final week of the season, just because there was a lot of uh, lineup moves there, got a bunch of guys not starting. So just like fantasy football, I think it was good for us to make that decision in terms of having it a little bit earlier. I thought the way that pickups and, and I love the fab thing going. Um, I thought all of that really worked well um so that that was that was a, a a key thing there as well um you know setting up your lineups and then submitting those waiver claims i thought that added just another element to it and, you know my favorite part was me making the announcement of oh who won this week's uh auction for the best guy you know uh, a thing that sticks with me is the uh the wasaki nahalo sweepstakes was when he, it was first announced that he was coming to town um people were going nuts with the amount of money that they were dropping so kind of adds a game within the game where obviously on the sunday you're playing for those fantasy matchups but hey on wednesday too you're also sitting at the edge of your seat waiting to see how those roster moves are going to affect your uh, your fantasy mlr lineup so i thought that was uh, that was great as well so um yeah i really can't I, I can't say like i said i think these are just tidbits that i'm thinking out loud here commissioner's thoughts commissioner's notes things that i just came up with as we went through the entirety of the season but i think the big thing here guys is that I want to hear from all of you as commissioner of this very first fantasy rugby MLR league. Um, I want to continue to make improvements. I want to continue to, you know, make this thing as enjoyable as possible. And a large part of that is going to come from you guys come from the, the, the league members come from the listeners and come from hopefully future league members on how they feel fantasy rugby should operate. Because like we said, this is a brand new thing and there's a lot of room for improvement even from our end. So we'd love to get your input into that. And like we mentioned, you can do that by hitting us up on social media at the fantasy Rutgers, um, leave a comment here or even join the discord channel where we can have a real in-depth conversation about fantasy rugby. Cause we, we love chatting with you guys. It's been absolutely a blast all season long and it will continue to be that as we continue to, uh, to work through this thing. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun so far. Um, yeah. So with that being said, those are kind of my thoughts. So I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about that. Um, got through all those news and notes. Um, um, yeah, we're, we're in the full swing of the MLR offseason, but that doesn't mean that the fantasy rugby content is going to stop. Matt and Devin should be back next week uh, where we are going to uh, dive into another um, another fantasy deep dive stat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it under wraps here because I don't want to give too much away. But if you are someone that wants to get the extra leg up come 2023's MLR fantasy rugby season, you may want to tune in to episode 29 that will be happening next week where the boys will be back in town. But uh, with that being said, I am Ryan Yeem. Thank you so much to everyone listening. We'll be back next week for another edition of the Fantasy Rucker Show. You've been listening to the Fantasy Rucker Show, bringing fantasy rugby to the masses, covering everything rugby from the MLR and beyond. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and be sure to tell all your friends. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, connect with us on social media at The Fantasy Ruckers. Till next time.
This is the Fantasy Rucker Show, signing off.